Good morning. Thank you, Shane and team. Wow. You made it. <laughs> you braved the elements. You walked or rode or drove into the wind, and you're here. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you for coming. My name's Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Westway, and it's good to see you here. I, uh, I want to begin this morning with uh, just a couple, couple thoughts. Here we are nearing the end of another year, of another decade. And oftentimes when we near the end of a year, one of the things as I was growing up was we had a celebration of sorts where we had a concert, New Year's Eve concert, and groups would come together in a little town of Tilden and sing and praise God until just before midnight, and then the pastors from the area would stand on the stage and pray the old year out and the new year in. And we would count our blessings and look forward to the year to come. And I want to just tell you a couple of things I'm thankful for today. I'm wearing a t-shirt that you'll see around this room, uh, around this building on Sunday mornings. Um, and I want to say thank you to those that wear this t-shirt because they're on the children's ministry staff. <laughs> and I'm thankful for you. Um, we couldn't do what we do without you. And I know that those that are working right now aren't in here, but would you, when you see people wearing a t-shirt like this, tell them thank you. Appreciate them for what they do with the children here at Westway. Um, it is a blessing to our community. It's a blessing to me. It's a blessing to the parents. And um, they're so important. That's one thing I want to say thank you for. I want to say thank you for my family being able to be here today. <laughs> Just like Shane was <laughs> looking out over the crowd and seeing a lot of his family here. What a blessing to have family that want to be here among us. Thank you. I also want you to stand again for just a minute, and I want you to answer this question and tell to the person next to you. In fact, I'm going to give you just a minute. Uh, I'm going to time you. Um, to tell if, if there were one word that you would use to describe God, what would it be? Get it in your mind. One word that you would use to describe God, what would it be? Stand up, tell those around you. I'm going to time you. you got a minute. Fifteen seconds. 
right, time's up. Before I go on, I, a couple of things I want you to do um, this morning. Um, if you're a Bible app user, you can look at the Westway event made especially for this message this morning on the Bible app. And um, so you can turn there and find the scriptures, some of the scriptures that we'll be covering this morning. Also, if you have questions about today's message, please text your questions to 307-316-2023 and look for our Tuesday Q&A video on our Facebook page at about 11.15 on Tuesday. Now, that will be a little bit different this week, um, but... Uh, would like to have you do that. If you have thoughts that come to your mind while I'm speaking this morning, um, questions that you would like to get answered, we like to address those during our Tuesday Q&A. And so um, please take just a little bit of time this morning as the thought comes to your mind to text that. I think that number will stay on the screen most of the morning this morning. Um, so if you could only use one word to describe the Lord what would it be? I heard a lot of words out there. And I've been reading this book called Between Two Trees by Shane Woods, our transformation from death to life. And he says this, if I had to pick just one word to describe the Lord, it would be the word with. How many of you said with? <laughs> nobody you know when I read it it made me jump it made me think it made me stop and it caught me off guard it stopped me in my tracks and I read it again if I had to pick just one word to describe the Lord it would be the word with I can think of lots of other words that I would describe the Lord with. I heard a lot of them this morning. Almighty, everlasting, forgiving, gracious, mercy, righteous, just. That's just a few. But with? With moves toward, alongside of, in the presence of. With communicates togetherness, intentional relation. The ministry of presence or being present embedded in with is a movement toward. It's quite unlike the word from, which moves away from others, emphasizing something closer to self-serving. From siphons instead of infuses, takes instead of bestows, abandons instead of dwells with. From asks for something in return, whereas with asks for nothing at all. Just to be with someone is enough. Just presence, whether we're talking about pain or simply the mundane. With invigorates and enlivens in a manner much different than near, yet carries the dignity and intensity of the word among or at, each emphasizing a shared presence, something that near or around could never fully appreciate. With is central to the heart of God at the core of the gospel message. 
the beginning of Matthew's gospel. He shares, and if you would like to turn to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 18 through 24. At the beginning of his gospel, he shares that an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph when Joseph was planning to divorce Mary quietly and told him not to be afraid because the baby that she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit and that he would be the Savior, this baby. Matthew then quotes from the prophet Isaiah. Let's read about that in Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Can you imagine that? Guys, place yourself in the position of Joseph. Imagine what it must have been like for Joseph, a righteous man in the community, engaged to be married to what he thought was a pretty sweet young lady. And he finds out that she's with child, pregnant. He's probably losing some sleep over this. By law, in those days, if you were engaged, it was the same as being married. So he could make a big scene if he wanted to, and she could be stoned to death for adultery. But that's not the kind of guy he was. So he thinks, I'll just divorce her quietly and not say anything to anyone for her sake. But God, who knows all things, says that's not part of my plan, and he sends the angel to help Joseph make a better choice. God was with him. In that moment, just as he was with Mary, Matthew then points out that all this has happened just like the prophet Isaiah had said it would. And perhaps no one knows what it means to have God with us as well as Mary. Let's go to the good Dr. Luke's gospel. In Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26, we will see how this happened for Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. 
Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. When Joseph and Mary took the child to Jerusalem to dedicate the child to the Lord as the law required, a man named Simeon, Simeon and an old woman named Anna prophesied about the child. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him, and he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God, his father, and man. We know from the wedding feast that Mary knew there was something special about Jesus. Each of the authors of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, share their accounts of how Jesus was and is with us. They tell us of the teaching he gave the apostles and the disciples and even those who didn't want to listen to him. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew ends his book after telling us about the Savior with a quote from Jesus himself. And at the end of his great commission, he makes this promise, Jesus does. I am with you always even to the end of the age. It kind of sends chills up and down my spine as I think about that. The Apostle John begins his gospel with these words. In John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, it says this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the Word, in verse 14 The Word became human. The Greek there, the word is flesh. And made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. So the Gospels talk about Jesus and His being with us. So why does this matter to us? Well, maybe the best way to answer that is to look back through some more Scripture. And I'm not going to go to these verses and read the whole thing, but here's some stories that I thought of. God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember what happened to them when they wouldn't bow down to the idol? They were thrown in a fiery furnace so hot that the men that threw them in were burned up consumed by the fire. 
Yet when the king looked down into the fire, did he see three men? No, he saw four men standing there. And the other looked as if he were the son of God. Interesting. God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they stood up for what they knew was right and what God had told them to do. Another time in the book of Daniel in in chapter 6, God was with Daniel in the lion's den for a similar, similar thing. The king had been tricked into making this decree that said you can only pray to him and you couldn't pray to anyone else, but Daniel did what he knew was right. And the spies were watching. <laughs> the, guys, the guys that didn't like him were watching. They knew what he was going to do because there was something different about Daniel. And he was thrown in the lion's den. And an angel was there to close the mouths of the lion, right? You remember the story? Another one was Jonah when he flat refused to go talk to the people in Nineveh. <laughs> God was with him. He said, I got a plan and you're part of it and you need to fulfill what your part is. I wonder how many times I've found myself in that position where I knew there was something I was supposed to do and God and I, and I didn't want to do it and God didn't let me get out of it. He said, you're going to do it. There was another guy that had that same problem. His name was Peter. And he was told to go see the Gentiles. Peter was a Jew. I don't hang out with Gentiles. But God was with him. And he showed him what he needed to know to be able to go to the house of Cornelius. And God came to the Gentiles, you and me. That was in Acts chapter 10. God was with Paul and Silas in jail. There was an earthquake that opened the doors. And he was with them in such a way that instead of complaining about the situation they were in and being in change, they sang praises to him. It was a tough time for them, but they were praising God. Acts chapter 16. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today, You will be with me in paradise, Luke 23, 43. Over and over we see how God was with his people. Sometimes they acknowledged him and sometimes they didn't. I'd kind of like to ask you to do something a little different for the Tuesday Q&A this week. When you text that number, 307-316-2023, Tell us a time in the Bible that you remember where Jesus or God was with the individual. Or share a testimony of how God was with you. And then on Tuesday, I'd like to share that with those that are watching. You see, he wants to be with us. He wants to be with you. We can't look at this word with and not at least think a little about the opposite, without. What events in life would you want to go through without Jesus? 
Imagine experiencing the birth of a child with complications without him. What about those moments when we come up against or find ourselves in, in when we are tempted to cross the line and do something that we know we're not supposed to? Would we stop if we're without him? Let me use a moment in our house this week as an example. We have two little grandsons that are visiting us this week. They're about the same age, and both love to pretend that they are playing the guitar with the Guitar Hero guitars that we have. So if you can picture this, two little guys about this high. The problem is, one is wireless, the one guitar is wireless, and one has this ugly old cord that gets in the way when you're playing the coolest licks on it. So they were learning to take turns with the cordless one. It all worked pretty good when some of the adults were watching and encouraging them. But one morning this week, we heard this curdling scream come from the living room from both boys. And when I went in to inspect the damage, I found one little guy who tried to explain what happened while he was crying, and all I could understand was the name of the other one. And I looked around, and the other little guy was out of sight. I followed the sound of his crying and found him huddled behind the bed in his room feeling just as upset as the first one and speaking just as unintelligibly, not at all proud of how he had tried to take the guitar from the other one, but still feeling that he should be the one that had it. You see, in that example, it's the adults that made that situation work well. But in the absence of the adults, the little ones struggled. How do we do when we've pushed God out and we haven't allowed Him to be with us? What does our life look like if we try to go through life on our own without Him? Kind of like those kids screaming out, Upset, sorry, confused, wondering why doesn't it work? Why can't I get along? Why can't the things that I want to do work for me? Maybe it's because we're doing it without Him and trying to do it on our own. Isn't that the way we are? Without the influence of God in our lives, we too find ourselves huddled in the corner wondering why things didn't work out the way we planned them. As John mentioned last week in his message, there are a lot of people in this room today who have gone through many different hardships and struggles this past year or maybe are going through them now. People who have lost loved ones got a phone call from a friend of mine whose wife passed away on Christmas Eve this week. People who have lost loved ones, who have been diagnosed with life-changing diseases, who are struggling with illnesses as we speak, those who wonder where the money will come from to pay the bills. There are those in the room who have gotten married and those who are planning to get married. What if you had to go through these things without Jesus? You don't have to. 
The words God used to give courage to Joshua as he stood before the children of Israel on the banks of the Jordan River before they crossed over into the promised land, those words are the same words that he wants you to hear when you're facing the big and little events in your life. He says those words to you when you look at obstacles ahead and wonder, how in the world am I going to go through this? My, your, our Heavenly Father says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You see, God doesn't expect you to go through life under your own power trying to accomplish things on your own. In fact, the Scripture says that when we try to do this, He allows us to experience the hardships that come, because they will, with the hope and desire. His hope and His desire is that we will turn back to Him and ask Him to walk with us. David the man after God's own heart said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Again he said, When I am weak, you are strong. Oh, what a blessing it is when we figure this out. The valleys become mountaintops and the trials become blessings. It can't happen without him. It only happens with him. In Revelation chapter 19, the apostle whom Jesus loved paints, not that he didn't love the other apostles either, <laughs> but he referred to himself, John did, as the apostle whom Jesus loved. He paints a picture that describes the way Jesus is with us. You may not have thought about him being with you in this way, but it's a picture that I treasure in my heart. In fact, it's a picture I'd like to have painted on my motorcycle. I've dreamt about that. To some, it could strike fear and trembling. But to me, it brings great comfort and confidence. Listen to the description John gives us. Revelation chapter 19, beginning with verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened. And a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire. And on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood. And his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe, at his thigh, was written this title, King of Kings and Lord 
of all lords. In this passage, the King of kings and the Lord of lords rides out of heaven with a double-edged sword coming from his mouth, and he was called the Word of God. He came to defeat the beast and his armies, Satan. He will judge righteously and fairly. If you take the time to read the context of this passage, you will find that those who have been faithful and true to him can rest assured that he comes to give them freedom from the sin and the destruction in this dark world. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it neat to think that he is with you if you're faithful and true to him? When Jesus returns and we stand before God as all our deeds are revealed, what would it be like to stand there alone without Jesus. When God looks at me without Jesus, He sees all of me, and I'm nowhere close to presentable in His presence. But because I believe in Him, and I have chosen to be changed or transformed by Him through His Word, and to be united with Him in His death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, Romans 6, Colossians 2, 11 and 12. And have put on Christ just like putting on new clothes. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. And the Holy Spirit, His Spirit lives in me or with me. Acts 2, 38, Romans 8. So when I stand before God, face to face on that day, I won't stand alone. Emmanuel. God with us stands with me. I'm with him. We read it. We say we believe it. But what does that mean to you and me? Are we doing things for God or with God? There are so many more questions I would like to discuss with you this morning. But for now, I'll just ask them. As you go through life in 2020 and the years to come, will you allow Jesus to go with you? Will you get to know him through his word? Will you grow your relationship with him through his body, the church? Will you encourage him to be a part of your home and your family? Will you walk with him through your daily activities at work or school? Will your children or your coworkers or your classmates notice that he is with you? Those are all questions that I think we need to ask ourselves. And as we think about the things coming in this future year and the years to come, does he walk with you? Does he talk with you? Does he tell you that you are his own? For the joy we share as we gather together, none other has ever known. Some of you know what I just did. <laughs> Quoted the verse from a song, an old hymn. I'm so thankful that he is with me. I pray 
that he is with you. Let's pray. And as we pray, if you're helping with communion today, would you please go to the back and get ready to serve. Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you so much for offering us the opportunity to walk with you and to talk with you and to experience your love Thank you for those that are here that do that day in and day out. Father, if there are those that don't feel that they can or have experienced that, I pray that they would seek you with their whole heart, soul, and mind. And that they would find someone who would tell them how they can have that kind of relationship with you. That they would seek you through the church here at Westway or the churches that are in their areas for those who are traveling. Father, to know you is unlike any other relationship that we can have. To have you with us, just to experience your presence, is such a blessing. And we thank you for that.